Today on Standing on the Word. We live in a nation that's now throwing its fist up at God. Our nation is, uh, has been the most privileged nation in the history of the world. We have more gospel truth here than any nation has ever had. And now we as a nation have come together, united, and throwing our fist up at God and saying, you will not tell us what to do. There's punishment that awaits our nation. And if you're sitting here today and you have the full display of God's glory in His Son Jesus Christ preached to you and shared with you and you throw your fist up and say, I will not! There's punishment that awaits you. Here is the punishment of rejecting Jesus Christ. You're listening to Standing in the Gap. Standing for truth in a fallen world. Welcome to Standing in the Gap, Standing on the Word, a verse-by-verse study of the Bible and the powerful truths that are revealed throughout God's Holy Word. I'm your host, Mike Cross. Today we'll hear from Josh Tompkins from his series on the warnings from the book of Hebrews and from his sermon titled, The Danger of Rejecting Christ. Here's Josh. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, and we'll be in Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. We've worked our way through the five warning passages of the book of Hebrews. These uh, warnings are situated throughout the book as we've been looking through them. This is the fourth of the five warnings, and I understand these are hard. These are meant to be hard. They're there on purpose to make us think, to make us evaluate ourselves spiritually, and I know that uh, you would probably give these things, that the, these are they're frightening sermons, frightening passages. Um, I'm surprised that some of you have come back for some of these sermons. <laughs> They're that, that difficult. I've rated this sermon. I put a rating system on sermons. I sit down and think about these things. I don't know if you guys do. Uh, but when you look at a sermon, you think, is, you know, how would I grade that? Uh, I think these sermons are rated R. And I'll explain my rating system in just a second. Uh, well, I'll do it now. Uh, you have your, your G sermons, and those are great sermons. You all got here and say, that was just the best sermon I've ever heard. It's a, a G. Then you have a PG sermon that's pretty good. Uh, it's, it's not great, but it's pretty good. And then you have your PG-13. That's a pretty good sermon that could have been 13 minutes shorter and would have been great. And then you... <laughs> That's every sermon for me, right? <laughs> every one of them could have been 13 to 15 minutes shorter than what they are. It's hurry up, Josh, get us out of here kind of thing. And then you have your rated R sermons, and that's these. And I call these R because they are run your pastor off sermons. Because uh, that's what these do. These are harsh. These are hard. These will... Somebody asked me last week, they said they needed stitches after that sermon. And, and that, it's hard to preach five of these in a row. Five, I mean, you, you like to split those up, you know, where there are some good, some, some pretty good, all need shortened. But uh, you don't, it's hard to preach an R sermon, a really tough sermon every week. Uh, so we're on our fourth one of these. And I think that you preach these because they're good for you. You preach these because these here are meant to encourage us and to motivate us to do one thing. All five of these warnings are to, to get us to cling to Christ as hard as we can. And that's good for us. We need that. We need to be reminded that in our life, as tough times hit, as, as times get hard, the one thing we always need to remember is cling to Christ. So that's the point of the, all these warnings. And it, so that's good for us to motivate us to never let go of our faith in Christ. We want to do that. And today the warning is the danger of rejecting Christ. Uh, so that's what we'll look at today. It's good. It's necessary for us to hear this warning today so that we do not reject the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be, have our faith in Him. We want to receive Him. We want to love Him. We want to live for Him. We do not want to reject Him. And today we'll see just how dangerous that is. It's a great warning. Do not reject Jesus. So let's stand together. We're going to read verses 26 through 31 as we look at this fourth. And we'll look at one more warning next week. But this here's the fourth out of five warnings in the, in the book of Hebrews, starting in verse 26 
I'm going to read through verse 31. And, and again, this is a famous passage. It's a very frightening passage. Uh, if it's R-rated, it's R-rated because it's scary. Uh, the, the, these sermons like this should make you tremble. Uh, so be ready for that. Starting in verse 26, it says, For if we sin willfully, after that we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and a fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer or worse punishment suppose ye shall be he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite under the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense. That word recompense. I will repay, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let's pray and we'll study the danger of rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, this is a very sobering, very serious passage that is laid before us this morning. And it's going to take great care and concern, precision to go through it word by word and bit by bit so that we fully understand just how dangerous it is for anyone to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And we all need to hear this this morning, whether it's those who have outright rejected Jesus and they say no to his gospel right now, it's dangerous to reject Christ. Or those who over time have made maybe a profession and then over time they have decided they don't need Jesus and they reject him. Well, they may be on the brink of rejecting Christ, of walking away from him. May we hear this warning and may we heed it. Help me today, please. I need all of the aid from your Holy Spirit that I can get. If I try to do this on my own, I will fall on my face and fail terribly. So God, enable me, help me. And as the old Puritans used to say, give me the unction of your Holy Spirit and help me to preach this sermon today and to do it right. That you may be honored and I may point everyone here today to Christ, who is their only hope. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Here's my question to you as we start out this morning. What is the worst sin in the world? Uh, if, and we all have a scale that we would probably put sin on. And, and some of us probably think some sin is worse than others. But there is a, we have a scale. And on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the worst, 1 being the least sin, what would you put, just thinking about it, what would you put as the top sin? The worst sin in the world. The worst sin imaginable. And I, and I know you have an opinion and I may have an opinion. But what we need is if God has a, has a scale of the worst sin. And we all know, we, we know this. I hope you understand this. That all sin will damn you. And that and that way, all sin is the same. But when we commit sin, all sin isn't the same. There are some sins that are worse than other sins. You understand that. And we have in our mind maybe a scale that on ten, and usually in our eyes, the ten sins are the ones that we don't commit. And the one sins are the ones we commit and we say, oh, that's not too bad. The ones aren't too bad. But that person out there, they're at a ten. Their sin is worse than my sin. So if you have a scale, and when we all in our minds, even right now, you're thinking of what number 10 is on your list. So you could go home today and you could say, I think this is the worst, and we're going to work our way down to where number one is like, you know, I don't even know, maybe lying is number one on your list. It's just not that bad. It's bad, but it's not too bad. 
And 10 is like murder or something like that for you. I don't know what your list is, but here I want to go ahead and give you the, the number 10, the, 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 the worst sin in the world. The worst sin, not in my eyes, but the worst sin in God's eyes. You ready for this? And you need to write this down. This is the most profound thing you'll ever hear. Probably not. It's very simple. The worst sin in the world is rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no sin worse than that. It's the most damnable sin. It is the damnable sin. It is what will send you to hell. It is far head and shoulders above every other sin that you will commit. Because all these other sins can be forgiven. But the rejection of Jesus Christ, there is no sacrifice for sins if you reject Him. It's the worst sin imaginable. You say, why is that? Because you are rejecting, let me give you this, you are rejecting the greatest man who ever lived. You're not rejecting me. You're not rejecting a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. You're not rejecting an employer. You're not rejecting a friend. You're rejecting the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He who was in heaven, worshipped by angels, but came down here to, to be with us and to die for us. You're rejecting the greatest man who ever lived. You're rejecting Christ. I mean, that's, that's the worst. It's, it's terrible. The one who is far superior to everything and everyone in the world, you're rejecting him. And not only are you rejecting the greatest man who ever lived, you're rejecting the greatest sacrifice that was ever made. I mean, we're, we're talking about the greatest man and the greatest act. The one who came down here and lived a perfect and innocent life, who took my place on the cross, who substituted for me and took and bore the wrath of God Almighty in my place. You're rejecting His sacrifice. You're rejecting Him and what He's done for you. He took the horror of being made sin for us and bearing the full wrath of God in our place. You're rejecting the greatest sacrifice ever made. So let, let me say this again. It's the worst sin in the world. It's the worst sin that you could ever commit is rejecting Jesus because He's the greatest man who ever lived. He is the God-man. And not only is he, 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 are you rejecting the greatest man, you're rejecting the greatest act that's ever been committed. You're rejecting the cross of Christ. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend, that Jesus would come down here and lay down his life for a bunch of sinners like us, and you're going to say no to that? It's the worst sin imaginable. Not only, get this, I'm, I'm going to go one more step, we'll get into the sermon. I'm going to try to make it 13 minutes shorter today. I want that, I want that PG rating. We're going to try to get... <laughs> you're rejecting the greatest man who ever lived, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all Hebrews is talking about, how great he is. And it even goes into this, the whole book of Hebrews about how great a sacrifice is that no man can pay for your sins, but Jesus did. He did for you what nobody else can do for you. And then he makes an offer to you and to me. And it's a great offer. It's a gospel offer. It's a salvation offer that he now, the one who came down here, the greatest man, the God man, came down, died for us, and now stands before us with open arms. And he invites us and he pleads with us and he says, come unto me, all you that are labored and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you salvation. It's an open offer unto all. Go into the whole world and give them this gospel and tell them that if they come, here's what you will get. Here's the offer. You get full forgiveness of sin if you come to Jesus. You get, get this, just see if you like this offer. You get full forgiveness of sin. Everything you've ever committed can be wiped clean from the from the moment you were born until the day you die. You can be as if you never sinned. 
If you come to Jesus, I'll, I'll go a step further. You have full access to God. There is nothing to keep you from God Almighty Himself. You can now go boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and seek help in your time of need. There's no reason to fear, but you have access unto God. I'll give you another one if you want more. You have full security all the way to the end of your life as you are wrapped in the hands of Almighty God Himself. I'll give you more. You want more? Here you go. You have the fullness of joy in heaven when you die. You're not going to go to hell. You get to go to heaven. And it's not even about the streets of gold and the pearl, pearly gates. You get to go and be with God throughout all eternity. What an offer. It's an offer of full and complete total salvation. I mean, you can't imagine that. I mean, that's what we offer from this pulpit every single Sunday. And we, we end the sermon with an invitation. Come to Jesus. And you have two options when that happens, right? You can have the positive response where people come and they accept Jesus and they love Jesus and they live for Jesus and they continue to live for Jesus throughout the rest of their life because they see how amazing this offer is. And then you have the negative response. Outright rejection of that. Can you imagine rejecting the greatest man and the greatest act and the greatest offer, and for you to think you can get away and say no to Him? To reject Him? To say, I don't need that? Or to even say, I mean, to look at God as Jesus stands with open arms saying, come to me, and you say, no, I will not, and reject Him. And there's also another way you can reject Him, and I've already mentioned this, not outright where you point your finger at Him and say, no, I will not have that Jesus, His salvation, His work, His offer, I don't want it. And there's people that do that every day. Or you can do it over time. Where you don't outright reject Him. You may accept it and you may believe it at one time. But over time, you begin to walk away. You, be, you begin to, to quit and to leave Him. And that's exactly what's happening to these Hebrews. They wasn't outright rejecting Jesus. They were over time rejecting Jesus. It's like they... It's like they they had a, an infatuation with Jesus at one time and now they're falling away and leaving Him and they're in danger and, and the author of Hebrews is, is, knows that they're flirting with leaving Jesus. He knows that there's the temptation that's pulling them away from Jesus. He hears the whispers, the rumors that they're about to leave, that people sitting in the pews are about to leave Jesus and go back to their old lives. He understands that. And that's why he writes these warnings. He sees them about to reject Jesus and, and, and he says, I've got to warn them that you don't do that. You don't outright reject him and you don't over time leave him and reject him. So I'm writing these warnings. He sees these signs. He gives these warnings. He wants you to see the danger of rejecting Jesus. And he tells us here, and we'll move into the points. The whole point of this passage is to show them, if you reject Him, here's the result. If you outright reject Him, or if you over time reject Him, here's what's going to happen to you. So I look to you today, sitting in these pews, and I say, if you reject Jesus, this is what's going to happen to you. Here's the warning. If you are on the brink of saying, I'm going to leave Jesus and go back to my old way of life and doing how I want to do, here's what's going to happen to you. Here's the warning of rejecting Jesus. And here's the main point of the sermon. You can write this down. If we reject Christ, we will face certain and terrifying judgment. If we reject Christ, we will face certain and terrifying judgment. 
So let's look at it. The warning of rejecting Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you three headings as we work, work through these verses. These headings, these points, if you don't know how we work through these things, are like a road map through our passage. Uh, I like to watch Dora the Explorer with my kids. <laughs> and they always break out the map. And, you know, here's the map, the map, I'm the map. And they'll give you three locations to get to your final destination. And through a, through a passage, that's when I watch Dora the Explorer with my kids, that's what comes to my mind. That's how I do a sermon. <laughs> I'm just like Dora. <laughs> I'm going to give you three destinations as we work our way through, the, through this passage. And you'll, you'll see us as we go, as we work our way leading to the end of the sermon. So I'm going to give you three headings. Number one, I want you to show you the first stop in this passage. I want to show you the problem that comes with rejecting Christ. The problem of rejecting Jesus Christ. You'll see that at, the, at just the, the first part of uh, verse 26, it gives us the problem. And here's, there's two problems here. And number one, I want to show you the first problem that it gives us in verse 26 is that these people had received the truth. They had a knowledge of the truth. These were not ignorant people. They understood what was going on. It says here, look, look at the, the, the middle part of verse 26. It says, for if we sin willfully after that we have, you see that phrase there, received the knowledge of the truth. They had full and complete understanding of the truth. These were not ignorant people. That word knowledge there of the truth, it is not that. I'm going to give you the two Greek words for knowledge. It's not gnosis, which is general knowledge. The basics, it's simple. It's, it's, it's shallow knowledge. This word here is not that. It's not just a basic knowledge. This is a word for, for knowledge in the Greek that means epinosis, which means they had all the knowledge. They had all the understanding. There was nothing hidden from them. They had a full disclosure of the truth. They had the full blazing light of the glory of Jesus Christ shining into their lives. There was nothing hidden to them. They knew the truth. They understood the truth. They'd even believed it at one point. He says, you know these things. You have received the knowledge of the truth. You know the facts. You know the full truth. You've had the full light. This is the problem. The problem isn't they were ignorant of Jesus. The problem is they know Jesus. This is a church thing. You know Jesus. You know the gospel. Kids here, teenagers, you know these things. And that's what he's talking about. You know the teachings of the gospel. You know who Christ is. You know what Christ has done. This is insider information. This is full blazing light of the glory of Jesus. They have shared in the fullness of who Christ is. You're not ignorant of these things. You know this stuff. Like Judas, he ate at his table. Like Judas, he seen his miracles. Like Judas, he had heard his teachings. Like Judas, he saw his hands. He, he had sit at a table with him. He knew Jesus. He had a full disclosure of all the, the truths about Jesus. And you do too. There's none of you here. We live in this area here. None of you here are ignorant about Jesus. You're not somebody in a tribe somewhere in a jungle that says, who's Jesus? You know him. You go to this church, you know the gospel. I mean, people can't hardly walk through this door without hearing the gospel here. You can go to our youth ministry, hear the gospel. You go downstairs to our children, they're hearing the gospel. The, the people here in this church, in this town, in this Bible Belt, even in this nation, they know who Jesus is. They know what Jesus has done. They know the gospel. They know what they believe they can be saved. They've had full disclosure of the truth. The, the blazing glory of Jesus has shined brightly in your hearts. Most people have an epinosis understanding of the gospel. 
My kids know the gospel. And what do they do with it? Verse 26. After having received that knowledge of the truth, they sin willfully. That word means they reject the truth. This sin isn't that they mess up. It's not a struggle. It's not a fight with sin daily. We all do this. We, we fight sin daily where we should. We, we fight sin. We're all sinners. That's who we are. We all sin. We all sin frequently. We are sinners because that's who we are. We are, uh, as the Puritans used to call us and the Reformers used to say, we are righteous, a righteous wretch. That's who we are. We are we are forgiven, but we are still full of sin. And we do that. We fight it every day. And we live trying to keep ourselves away from sin. We confess it. God forgives us and we go on. That's not what this is talking about. If we sin, and that's, it's, it's not if we sin after we receive the truth. It's if we sin willfully. You've got to understand what that word means. This is the rejection part of it. This is, and it's, it's the, the emphatic word of this verse. That, that word willfully is the first word in the Greek. Verse 26, it should start out with willfully in bold. If you sin. You say, what does that mean? This describes somebody who voluntarily sins. Defiantly sins. Continually sins. Intentionally sins. Habitually sins. This is somebody who loves sin, lives in sin, chases sin, and is at full peace with sin. There's no fight against sin. There's no hatred against sin. They love sin. They're living in sin, and that's how they want it to be. They're at peace. They're, they're, they're at odds with God and at peace with sin. That's what this is talking about. That after you've seen the full glory of who Jesus is, you outright reject it by living in sin. And there's a big difference here. Lost people, and you've got to get this difference. Lost people, get, understand this. I want you to put you in two categories. Lost people live in sin, love sin, and run to sin. Saved people, I want you to get this. If you're saved here today, this will describe you. That you will lapse into sin, and you will hate it with every fiber of your being. There's a difference there. It's the difference between a, 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 like, like the prodigal son who went and, and got in the mud with a pig and loved it. And just, you know, just living in sin and loving every second of it. And, and the difference is somebody living in the, the mud pit of sin and somebody like me. Let me give you an illustration. We went chasing Christmas trees yesterday in the forest. And you guys want to laugh at me and think I'm just the worst thing in the world. But we walked through those woods looking for the tree and the one thing that bothered me the entire time was that I might get my feet dirty. I spent the entire time in the woods licking my finger and wiping mud off my shoes. <laughs> my boys, on the other hand, might as well have been swimming in the mud. Just, just sitting there just laughing it up, loving every second of it. And I'm sitting there stressed out. How am I going to get my shoes clean? <laughs> You see the, the comparison there? I know it's funny, and you guys probably think I'm, I'm terrible now, but do you see the difference there? There's somebody who loves their sin and lives in it, and there's somebody who accidentally steps into sin and they do their best to get rid of it. That's the difference between somebody who's lost and somebody who's saved. This person here who rejected the full knowledge of the truth, they're not accidentally sinning. They're not falling into sin. They're not lapsing into sin. They love every second of their sin. They have fully rejected Jesus so that they can go on sinning. They love sin more than they love Jesus. This is describing one who has seen the full blazing glory of Christ and who then throws their fist up at God 
I'll even go a step further. They throw their fist up at God and say, I will live how I want to live. They'll even put their finger in God's chest and say, you ain't going to tell me anything about it. And let me tell you this, this is a church sin. This is not out there in the world. That's why it's a problem. These are people that are sitting in pews that have heard the truth, they know the truth. You may be even sitting here today and you hear these things and what you say is, I will not do what he tells me to do. After receiving the full revelation of who Jesus is, you will now say no to it. I mean, it's a, it's a terrible thing to do. And there's people that do it in church all the time. You may sit here every Sunday, and this is a bad place to go to hell from because you get a full dose of truth. Hour-long sermon every Sunday, man. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not little bitty doses. You get the fullness of it. You know the gospel to the point where you say, Josh, move on from the gospel. When you get it, I will. You're getting it. So don't you dare reject it. Because this is what you're left with. Watch this. This is where it leads. Point number two. If you. That's the problem. If you now. Point number two. The second stop on our journey through this passage is the punishment if you reject Christ. There's a great punishment if you do that. If you throw your fist up at God. We live in a nation that's now throwing its fist up at God. Our nation is a, has been the most privileged nation in the history of the world. We have more gospel truth here than any nation has ever had. And now we as a nation have come together, united, in throwing our fist up at God and saying, you will not tell us what to do. There's punishment that awaits our nation. And if you're sitting here today and you have the full display of God's glory in His Son Jesus Christ preached to you and shared with you and you throw your fist up and say, I will not. There's punishment that awaits you. Here is the punishment of rejecting Jesus Christ. Look at the end of verse 26. This is serious. It says, if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, then, here it is, if you do this, if you know who Christ is, if you know that Christ is, understand this, if you know that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man gets to God but by Him. You know that. He's the only way. There's no other sacrifice for sins. There's no other way to God. There's no other name given under heaven among men where anybody will ever be saved. Jesus is the only way of salvation. I mean, if that makes anybody here mad, then you're probably in the wrong place because we are definitive about that. There is no other way. And if you turn down Him and you turn your back on Him and say, I have nothing to do with you, then you will turn your back on Him. And what salvation do you have left? What religion are you going to turn to? Who's going to save you? Who's died for you? If you turn your back on Jesus, there's no other hope for you. That's what it says here. Look, look at it with me. There now remains no sacrifice for sins. You are now without a sacrifice. You turn your back you're back on the only bridge to heaven. You walk away from Christ and that leaves you with, what's this? If you walk away from Christ as Savior, you turn your back on Him and you will meet Him as judge. Look what it says. You now have no sacrifice for your sins. You're in your sins. Not covered by the blood of Christ. Look what it says now. But here's what awaits you. I want you to picture that in your mind. I say again, like we had in Sunday school this morning, pictures worth a thousand words. Picture this. That you had the full blazing glory of Christ and who He is and what He's done for you. He stood with open arms inviting you to receive Him and to have full salvation. And you can say no to Him. I will live how I want to live. I, I want my sin more than I want you. And you turn your back on Him 
and you go your own way and do your own thing, if you do that, if you reject Christ in that way, and you may not think that way, but and that's, that's, that's the problem with the Hebrews here, is that they may have not been doing this right here and turning their back. They were about halfway in between. And he's warning them, don't you dare take a step away. Because if you do, watch what happens. There's only one thing that you can expect. There's only one thing waiting for you if you turn your back on Christ. Verse 27, and here it is. But a certain, this is sure, the sure expectation. If you walk away, then what you can expect and what you can, it says, look here, what you're going to look for. A fearful expectation of judgment. If you turn your back on Jesus, the only thing you're going to have is judgment. You walk away from Christ, you put yourself not as a friend of Christ, but as an adversary of Christ. Understand that. You could be a friend, but you choose to be an adversary. If you choose that way, you put yourself in the bullseye of the judgment of God. It's as if there's a bullseye on the floor here. And instead of re receiving Christ, you reject Him and you put yourself right smack dab in the middle of that whole time where God says, now judgment comes where you are. That's what, you, that's what happens to you if you reject Christ. Look, look at this with me. A certain fearful expectation of judgment. And he describes that judgment in two ways. It's a judgment. Look what it says. <laughs> it is fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Adversaries, not friends. Wouldn't you rather be a friend of Christ than an adversary of Christ? When I say the word adversary, for you people may not understand that, enemy of Christ. You choose that. If you receive Christ, you become a friend of Christ. If you reject Christ, you become an enemy of Christ. And if you turn your back on Him here, He says that all that will await you, all that you can expect, all that you can look forward to, all that you have to look forward to in life is fiery indignation. This is not, uh, that, that fiery indignation is like, a, is like the fires in California that is consuming the woods in California. But it's not out of control like those fires where they can't stop it and it's just going all over the place. This is a fiery indignation that is falling exactly where God wants it to fall. He sees bullseye, he hits bullseye. And the friends are saved. And the enemies are, look what it says here, devoured. Consumed. He hits his target. If you reject Christ, he will devour you. What a warning. Let me read to you 2 Thessalonians. You say that, that's one verse in Hebrews. Watch this. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be flaming fire and vengeance. Verse 9, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. If you turn from the presence of the Lord and the glory of His power, the only thing left for you is full, fiery vengeance. This is bad. This is what you can expect. And this is what you deserve if you reject Jesus. 
He said, how bad will it be? I've got another verse for you. If you want to go down to verse 28, he gives us a, a comparison. It's a, he calls it a sore punishment or a worse punishment. He gives an argument here of, of lesser to greater. And he goes back to the Old Testament to explain how bad. The, and think about it. He's now said, you're going to be judged. And how bad will I be judged? Here's what he says. Watch this. Verse 28. He that rejected, despised Moses' law. That is the rejection in the Old Testament of Moses' law. You have rejected the, the law of Moses. That was the, the Ten Commandments that he brought down from Mount Sinai. And if you rejected those laws, watch this. If you rejected those in verse 28, and that's just the law of Moses. This isn't rejecting Jesus. This is rejecting the law. There's a big difference. The law is down here. Jesus is so much greater. If you reject the law, watch what it says. If you set it aside, if you disregard it, if you break these laws, then at the witness of, of two or three witnesses, there will be, there was punishment. You would die without mercy. And there were certain laws that if you broke them, there was no second chances. There were certain laws in the Old Testament like murder, and that's a willful sin, right? You don't slip into murder. You don't mess up and fall into murder. So if you murder in the Old Testament and two or three witnesses would bring their testimony and say, we saw him do it, then there was no excuses. There's no, uh, no second chances. There was no other way around it. You set yourself in the bullseye of the wrath of God. So they would stone you, kill you. You were to, you were to be capital punishment on the spot. It wouldn't they'll send you to jail and you, and you, gotta, you, know, you can have you know, different court cases and we'll have it retried. No, on the spot, you did it, you're dead. That was the law of Moses. And there was others too. If you committed adultery, that was a, a capital offense. You're going to be killed. Blasphemy. No mercy. Death penalty on the spot. That was the punishment for rejecting the law of Moses. Again, that's the lesser. If you reject the law of Moses, you will be punished. And it will be severe. You'll be judged. You, you are without mercy. You're going to, no grace there at all. You will be punished. Now let me ask you this. How much worse punishment do you think we deserve for rejecting Jesus? If that was the law, and the law is nothing like Jesus. You understand that. The law was great. It shows us our sin. The law doesn't save, and Moses wasn't near. I mean, Hebrews has said that, that Jesus is far superior than the law, and Jesus is far superior than, to Moses. And, and, and if we rejected, if rejecting Moses caused severe punishment, then how much worse, how much, and I like that King James word, how much sore judgment do you think we deserve for rejecting Christ? Do you see this? Then it tells what it, I mean, I, this verse here is just, watch what it says in verse 29, of how much sorer punishment do you think it says there do you think shall be deserved thought worthy deserved I'm, I'm asking you that today let's think about it if the law of Moses deserved a great punishment rejecting it deserved a great punishment how much worse do you think it there's deserved for those who reject Christ you tell me because he tells us here that it's so much worse Look at the three things that he says it does. Verse 29. This is heartbreaking. If you reject Jesus today, this is what you do. You say, no, that's not me. Yeah, it is. If you walk away from Jesus today, or at some point down the line, this is what you do to him. This is what you do to him. Number one, 
you trodden underfoot the Son of God. You say, what does that mean? Again, this is how you treat Christ if you reject Him. You treat Him as worthless. Jesus makes, get this, this is just so, so heartbreaking. Jesus, the greatest man who ever lived, who, can, who gave us the greatest act that was ever, ever given on the cross for our sins, and has made a great offer to us that we can have full salvation if we believe in Him, if we turn our back on Him, we are trotting Him underfoot. We're treating Him like He is worthless. We're treating the Son of God like a penny on the ground. We're treating the Son of God, and it's the same word that is meant to be used for throwing the pearls to swine in the, in the Gospels. That the swine would trod those pearls, those priceless, precious pearls. You're throwing them out there to, to swine, to pigs, and they're not, they're not going to value them. They're not going to receive them. They don't love them. You're throwing them out there, and what are they going to do? They're going to treat them like the rest of the mud, and they're going to trod all over those pearls. And when you turn your back on Jesus, you are trotting on the most precious thing in the history of the world. You're treating him like he's nothing but a penny on the ground with utter contempt. Grinding your heel. I'll even go a step further. You're treating him like a bug that you don't even care to step on. That's the, the one the angels worship. And you are treating him like a bug on the ground when you turn your back on him. Don't you think you deserve a greater judgment for turning your back on Jesus? Grinding your heel in the dirt. I'll, I'll take it a step further. You are counting His blood as an unholy thing. The first one is Jesus. The second one is His sacrifice. You're treating His sacrifice. This is how we treat His cross. This is how we treat the atonement. This is how we treat what He's done for us. We treat it like it's unholy. Which means it's common. It's not special. It's not sacred. We estimate the worth of the cross and we estimate it as it's not worth anything to me. We count His death as common. We count His blood as common. We say that His sacrifice has no saving value to me at all. It's nothing but something I should throw away. It's an unholy thing. You're turning your back and trotting Him, the Son of God, underfoot. And you're saying His sacrifice that He's now offering to us is nothing but common. And then the third thing, and get this, I love this. You see how in verse 28 it says that in the law of Moses that there was two or three witnesses that had to come or the person wouldn't be believed. They had to have two or three witnesses. They had to be proven guilty. In verse 29, he gives us the three witnesses that we will give account to in heaven one day. And when we stand before God, and if we've rejected Jesus, He's going to say, this is what God's going to say. Listen to me. This is, this is, this is good. There's three witnesses that's going to witness to your rejection in heaven. Number one, God will look at you and say, you've trodden my son underneath your foot. Witness number one. Did you not treat him with utter contempt like a bug on the ground? And you'll have to bow your head and say, yes, I have. Witness number two. Did you not treat His sacrifice? I sent my Son down there to live with you. To become sin for you. To take your, sac to, to take your place. And did you not treat it like it was an unholy thing? 
Yes, I did. Number three, the third witness. And that's done despite under the spirit of grace. You say, what does that word despite mean? It means you have insulted the author of the gospel. Who now brings the gospel to you but the Holy Spirit of God? I started the sermon off with these three things. That you have the greatest man who ever lived, the greatest sacrifice that's ever been made, and then you have the offer that the Holy Spirit gives to you that says now you can take it. You can have it. You can be saved. You can be forgiven. You can have eternal life in heaven. This is the offer. That's what the Spirit's job to do. It's to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. It's the Spirit's job to take us by the hand and to lead us to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what the Spirit does. And when the Spirit convicts your heart, you insult the Spirit of God. That's what that word despite means. You, you insult the Spirit. You, you spit in the face of the offer of the Gospel. You turn your back on the offer of free grace. Three things you've done. You've turned your back on Jesus, His cross, and the call of His Holy Spirit. Now you tell me. The law of Moses had great judgment. Rejecting it caused you great, harsh, severe judgment. How much worse do you think turning away from Jesus deserves? And that's not even the worst part. Let me move to the last point. We've seen the problem of rejecting Christ. We've seen the punishment of rejecting Christ. Now let me give you one more. This is the worst part. The peril of rejecting Jesus Christ. The peril of rejecting Jesus Christ. Verse 30. We've got two verses left. Verse 30. It says, for we know Him. I'm going to stop there. That's the knowledge of God. We know Him. Him being God. We know who God is. We know His character. We know His attributes. We know what He's like. We are ignorant of God. We know that God is a God of judgment. That God is a God of vengeance. We know who He is. We're not one of those people out there that says, oh God won't punish. Oh God will let us go. Oh God is His only love. Oh He is a loving God. A gracious God. A kind God. But He's also a God of great judgment. We know who God is. We're not ignorant of God. God will judge. We know Him. We know that if you turn your back on Jesus, this is what you can get. It's the scary side of God. I mean, that's why I said peril. It's, it's scary. It's fearful. It, it, it's, it's trembling here. We know there is a vengeful side of our God. And we do not want to see that side. I tell my kids that all the time. And I know this is a, a silly comparison, but I am the, the most fun-loving dad in the world. I mean, I play with my kids. I love my kids. But if they rebel against me, you don't want to see that side of me. There is a loving hand that takes my arm and wraps it around my boys and says, I love you guys with all of my heart. But if you rebel, there's also a whipping hand. Don't you think God has that same thing? We live in a culture today that says God only has one hand. The coddle hand. The cuddle hand. The teddy bear hand. The petting hand. 
And they totally miss out. We know God has a, another hand. And you don't want to see that hand. Watch what it says. This is a scary side. There's a side that when I come home and my kids' light, eyes light up and they say, Daddy's home. But if Daddy walks in and Mommy says, Kid's been mean. It's Daddy's home. <laughs> That's how it should be. There's a respect there. If I come walking in and I, they've been mean and I look at them, they, they just laugh at me. I'll show you laugh. Vengeance is dad's. <laughs> look what it says here. For we know him. And he says, and he goes and he quotes Deuteronomy 32. This is what God says. This isn't what man, this is God. We know him and he says, Vengeance belongs to me. And I will repay, says the Lord. And again, he reiterates it. He says it three times here just to get the point across. If, if the Bible, if God repeats himself, you better take note. And he says here three things. He says it three times. He says, God says that vengeance belongs to me. Emphasis, mine. In the Greek, it would be underlined. It would be highlighted. Vengeance belongs to me. It is mine. It doesn't belong to anybody else. It's God's. And he will, it says here. And he will repay, says God. Don't you think you're going to get away with anything with God? Understand me. You can get away, kids here, teenagers, you can get away with a lot of things. You can talk your way out. I used to do it all the time. Talk my way out of trouble with parents. My mom and dad's not here today. I can say that. I could talk my way out of trouble with principals and with teachers and with coaches. Just give them a puppy dog face. You know, I never had one of those. We can get ourselves out of a lot of trouble. Tickets. <laughs> Cop stops you and you say, you know, I, I didn't know. You can't escape God's judgment. There's no talking your way out of it. You don't get to heaven and think you're going to sweet talk God. You don't get to heaven and say, I'm going to bring in my friend. They'll, they'll vouch for me. Pure and holy wrath belongs to God. He will judge there's no getting away. There's no escape. You can escape a lot of other things and get away with a lot, but you cannot escape and you cannot get away with anything with God. Understand that. If you turn your back on God, there is no escape. None. If you reject, He will repay. And the last thought of verse 31, it is a, and it is a, Jonathan Edwards preached this sermon from this verse. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. And it shook up Massachusetts and the New England states like, the, like America has never seen. He looked at them and said, you're hanging by a spider's thread underneath the judge. You're hanging there. And you're going to fall under the judgment of God. You're just hanging there. I mean, your foot could slip. It, it could break at any time. And you're going to fall. You're going to fall into. And you're going to fall into the, the angry hands of the living God. You're going to just slip. I mean, it's like slipping off a cliff or, or the breaking of a thread. It could happen at, at any time. And you're going, to, you're going to fall into God's hands. And when you fall into God's hands, it's one thing to be saved and to be covered by the blood of Jesus. You fall into the most loving hands in the world. I mean, it's a great fall into His hands. But if you aren't covered by the blood, if you're not saved, if you rejected the Son of God, you fall into angry hands. 
And you do not want to do that. It's fearful. We ought to be shaking in our pews today. Falling into the hands of the Father of which you've treated His Son like you did. You're going to meet your God face to face and it's not going to be pretty at all. He will repay. And you can't fight Him. You fall into His hands without the covering of Christ's blood and you can't fight Him. You can't run from Him. You can't pay Him anything. You can't talk Him out of it. And at that moment, it will be the worst punishment imaginable for the worst sin imaginable. I'll say that again. We will we'll be done. It, it will be the worst punishment imaginable for the worst sin imaginable rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't even imagine how bad it will be. The worst sin that will be committed in Big Stone Gap today won't be some drugs in some house out there. It won't be some act of adultery out there. It won't be some act of homosexuality out there. It won't be some of the things that we think out there. The worst sin that will happen in Big Stone Gap today will happen in the pews of this church. When you walk out these doors today and you reject Jesus Christ, you are committing the worst sin imaginable. It happens here. That is the worst sin. That's as, as bad as it can get. That you would reject Jesus with eyes wide open, with a mind full of truth, with ears full of the gospel, with hearts that are convicted, with toes up to the line to where you can go down the narrow gate and you say no and reject Jesus. It's the worst sin. What a powerful sermon that was. And now joining with me in the studio today is Pastor Josh Tompkins. Josh, can you explain for us what application we can take away from rejecting Christ? Yeah, I think for all these Hebrews warnings passages that the application is very clear, very easy for us to see. And this one is no different. The, the, the title speaks for itself. There's a great danger in rejecting Christ. Uh, and it's a danger here in this passage. Verse 26 talks about after you've already received the knowledge of truth, that you already uh, know who he is, that you, you know all about him. You've heard the truth. You understand it. And then turning and walking away, sinning willfully, uh, ultimately rejecting him. That's a great danger uh, for those who are in the Christian walk and say they're Christians. And I, I say that with quotes, uh, say they're Christians to turn and walk away and to deny Christ. It gives us here a, a, a sore or worse punishment for those who have full knowledge of the truth and ultimately reject Christ. And it says at the end that you will fall into the hands of, a, of an angry God. And that's dangerous. That's scary. So the application is for all of us, make sure that you don't ever willfully reject Christ after having made a profession of faith, after having understood him. Today it says it is the day of salvation. Uh, so if, if you see who he is and know who he is, then turn to him and trust him. And if you already have, then stay there. Uh, there's a great application here for us. Thank and again, that's Pastor Josh Tompkins from West End Baptist Church. And we want to remind our listeners that we love hearing from you. So if you have biblical questions that you'd like to have them answered, please send them to us by logging on to our website at www.westendbsg.org and leave them there. Also search our website for complete
complete list of our outreach ministries and church services. And be sure to look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at West End Baptist Church. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time.